Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. Turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 2. In verse 12, we read, I am writing to you, little children, because your sins have been forgiven you for his name's sake. This is something really important to let sink into your being because until you recognize that Christ, when he came and he hung on the cross, what was the last three words he said from the cross? It is finished. He finished paying for our sins on that cross. And sometimes we just need to sink into our brain. My sins are already paid for. Payment made by him. Now, he gives another reason he writes, but he doesn't address it to the little children. The little children, you can assume, is the, the new ones in the faith. By the way, new believers in the faith need reminder, constant reminder that their sins are forgiven. Maybe you're around a new Christian and you're thinking, what do I tell them? Just remind them. Over and over, remind them. How many of their sins are forgiven? Oh, for whose sake? Jesus' name's sake. It helps a new believer become rooted and grounded in the truth of our faith. You know, you might be around someone, you know they just gave their life to the Lord. Tell them this. Because a new believer, do they ever struggle with that? Some sin that they, they perhaps had going on in their life and they feel condemned? And by the way, we know that the devil condemns. In fact, he accuses day and night, it says before God. Did you see? And he points each of us out before God. And we need to remind the new believers, the little children in the faith. Hey, and by the way, some of you are older in the body, but you're still little children in your faith. You're just starting out. Let me assure you, all your sins are forgiven. Now, how about you older ones? It says the fathers, the older ones. Here, I am writing to you fathers because you know him who was from the beginning. Not because you wonder about, is God really there anymore? If you've been a Christian for over 20 years, you pretty much know he's there. It's kind of hard to not know he's there after 20 years of walking in faith, isn't it? So John just puts it, matter of fact, I write to you fathers because you know him who was from the beginning. And I'm writing to you young men because you have overcome the evil one. Young men wrestle a lot with that evil one. And that evil one tries to sidetrack them. And John says, here's a true pastor's heart. Listen y'all up, young men. I'm writing to you because you have overcome. Not you will overcome. You might maybe beat the devil on a good... No, he says, you have. Young men need to know that they have overcome the evil one. He says, and I've written to you children because you know the Father. One thing about a child of God is they know who is daddy, spiritually speaking. The scripture says we cry out by his spirit with our spirit identifying Abba, Father. Abba in Hebrew is Dada. Remember Jesus when he said, they said, teach us to pray, said, our Father, which art in heaven. He's our father. Little children, you know the father, he says. And then verse 14, and I've written to you fathers, again, the same reason, because you know him 
who has been from the beginning. And I have written to you, young men, because you are strong. And the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Now, some people say, oh, there's a typo. They like doubled up and said the same. He said this almost the exact same thing. No, this is, if you've never been around a Jewish person, a teacher, rabbi, their way of teaching is what we call layers. They'll set a foundation step first. Here, I'm writing to you old guys. Why? Because you already know. You know God. You've known from the beginning. You, you've been walking with him. But I write to you young men because, well, he said first to them, you've overcome the evil one. But notice in verse 14, he says, I've written to you young men because you are strong. And the word of God abides in you. And you have overcome the evil one. He adds a couple extra things in there for these young men. And by the way, whatever gift he gives you, the glory of wisdom or the strength of youth, what are we supposed to do with those gifts? We submit them to the Lord and we serve him with them. Whatever he grants to us. And John says, he's given you these things. Now John goes on. Now that we know the reasons he's writing, he's saying, guys, just let this sink in. You know him who's from the beginning. You older ones, you know the Lord. But listen to the exhortation he gives next. This is an exhortation, probably one of the greatest ones that the church needs today in America. It's found in verse 15. 1 John 2.15 reads, Do not love the world, nor the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life, he says, these things are not from the Father, but they're from the world. And the world is passing away. And also it's lusts. But the one who does the will of God will live forever. Do we have a society based on following the lusts of the flesh and the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life? And the thing is, is that this boastful pride of life that is so interwoven through our society. We even have a cultural identity as being prideful people. It's a really sad commentary because the Bible says God is opposed to the proud. I don't know about you, but I don't want God opposed to me. I want God on my side. It says, but he gives grace to the humble. So humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, Peter wrote. And what happens if you humble yourself? He will lift you up. There's a part of us wired. We want to be lifted up, but it doesn't work when we exalt ourselves. We need to humble ourselves before God and let him do the lifting. Because he knows how high we are safe. And how high is too high where we get ourselves a little bit in trouble. And he loves us. And so he says, don't love this world. Don't love the things of the world. Don't love this boastful pride of life. Don't love the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh. These are things in this world. But he said, these things, these lusts, what's going to happen to all these lusts? And pass away. This stuff's all going to go goodbye. But lust of the eyes can lust after all sorts of articles. These eyes, the Bible says the eye is never full of seeing. The ear is never full of hearing. Our appetite in the flesh is so voracious. And some people, they want preachers that will preach to them messages that make their flesh happy. 
things like, and by the way, this is a false teaching. Just I'm going to start it off prefaced with so nobody misquotes. If some guy says, you deserve to have all this stuff. You are a child of the king and he wants you to have this success of all this material things. Do you know that just over the last couple of decades, we've had a false teacher on the mainland going around telling people that Jesus was really rich when he was on this earth and that he had six different homes spread throughout the region of Israel. And this man has a huge television ministry. I read ahead in my Bible at the end here, there's this warning. It says, beware of these false teachers, these men that they make merchandise of the gospel. And I just want to vomit when I see those guys. Would you rather go with what the scripture teaches or with what this guy, this heretic is teaching on the mainland? Because the Bible teaches that Jesus said, foxes have holes and the birds of the air, they have their nests up there. But the son of man, he said, has no place to lay his head. Maybe this guy didn't read the book. In fact, that's usually one of the problems with the false teachers. They don't acquaint themselves with the scripture. They come up with, it says, doctrines which tickle men's ears. But they don't actually steer their soul to the truth. Now, in the Old Testament, if a prophet prophesied something, and even if what he prophesied came true, the Bible says, and afterwards he said, see, I'm a prophet. I prophesied this thing. It came true. Now let's go serve Baal, or let's go serve Ashtaroth, or let's go serve some other false god. Is that prophet a true prophet because he prophesied something and it came to pass? No. The mark of a true prophet is that he steers you to the true and living God. In fact, if he prophesied something, the sun is going to come up tomorrow. I prophesy it. Some guys can do that. And then it happens. And then they say, now let's go serve a false god. I'm a prophet. Follow me. If they do not steer you the true and living God, they are a false prophet. And if they teach you teachings that Jesus was wealthy and he was prosperous on this earth and he wants you to be prospered on this earth, and it's all about just your physical comfort. I have news for you. That's not his words. That's not Christ's words. Christ said, if anyone wants to follow me, go get a mansion, a Rolls Royce, a Mercedes, then I'll let you in, right? No. If anyone wants to follow me, Christ declared, let him deny himself, pick up his cross, and come follow me. What are you going to do with the cross? He's not talking about the little piece of jewelry we've made it into. That's not the cross he's talking about. He's talking about the thing they crucified him. He's saying, pick up your own. Well, if we, if we use today's vernacular, it'd be like, deny yourself, pick up your own electric chair, and come follow me. You're going to get killed, but you've got to bring your own death implement. They're going to kill you. Jesus did not teach us to love this world. He did not teach us to be conformed to this world. He said, be transformed by the renewing of our minds. If we get our focus, if some preacher is preaching to you a message that gets you to look at all the stuff down here, but not to the one up there, our creator, the author of our salvation, if he doesn't direct you to him, he's done you a disservice. Oh, maybe that message made you feel wonderful. Got you all hyped. 
I'm going to get all the stuff down here. But I like the words of Jesus. Matthew 6, 33, Jesus said, but seek ye first the kingdom of, of God and his righteousness. And how many things will be added to you? All the things you need. Your needs, by the way, I know the false teachers say that means all your wants. He didn't say that. You go back and read in that chapter. He's talking about what you eat, what you put on, the stuff you need for life. All that stuff will be taken care of when you seek God first. But it's not about this ridiculous idea of seek God so you can become mega rich. Because how many Christians here have sought the Lord to your Christian experience? And any of you have come into mega riches? If you are one of his children, what does he say? Little children, I write to you so that you will know that you have riches on this earth. Did John say anywhere in here anything like that? No, what does he deal with? I write to you, little children, so you will know that your sin is forgiven. Let's stick to the true substance of this book. God wants to forgive your sin. He's, he didn't go to all this trouble to send Jesus just to make you physically prosperous. He went to the trouble to send his son to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world so that we could have our sin dealt with. And the greatest treasure, the greatest preaching I could ever do would be to point out to you the truest, most, I mean, how much value, how, what dollar amount should I put on all your sins forgiven? The most precious thing, truly, is that God did this amazing work through his son to pay for our sin. And when men try to tickle other men's ears with teachings about stuff down here and don't pay attention to the spiritual message about what God really did for them. That little foo-foo message of make you happy and, and make you feel good is not going to stick with you with, like it will when I teach you what he has truly done to make you have a, a vertical relationship from you up to our Father in heaven that you can cry out, Daddy. You can know him. And those of you that have been walking with him, you already know him. You've been, you've been walking with him long enough. You know the Lord. And he's going, that's my kid. And one of the sweetest things is that we can read this and go, wow. He's telling us, don't love this world. Don't love the things in this world. You know, Jesus said, you have to choose which master you serve. Why don't those prosperity teachers ever read that verse? Because what did Jesus say? You can't serve God and mammon, money, riches. You cannot serve God and riches. It's two completely different masters. You've got to choose which one do you serve. And if you choose to serve money, you can put your whole attention to getting money. I wouldn't recommend it. The proverb says when you do that, the money makes itself have wings and it flies away. Better to seek the Lord, let him add what you need. And if he should happen to add to you abundant prosperity, which he has done to a few people, I believe he only does it to the ones he knows can handle it. Because sometimes when people get too prospered, they forget the Lord. Did you guys know that in this book, there are more warnings in the Old Testament to Israel, not about, remember to pray when things are bad. 
did you know there's not like any verses like that? You know what it says? Remember to pray when things are what? Good. When you come into the land and you sit in the house which you didn't build and you eat of the tree which you didn't plant and your life is prospered, remember when you're prospered not to forget the Lord. How many times is that admonition given in the Old Testament? Remember, everything happened to them. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 happened to them for whose example? Ours. Remember when things are really good that you don't forget the Lord. Do you know that that message is heralded over and over and over to the nation Israel? But I never hear the prosperity teachers preach that. They don't get up and say, and when you're prospered, make sure you don't forget the Lord. But see, some people, they get prospered, and that's the first thing they do. Their riches take over their thoughts. Keeping their riches, how will I keep them? They went from being the nicest person on the block to where they have this compound. You don't have to worry about having your friends over your house when you don't have much. Proverbs writes about this. Many, they go astray because they, they have this longing to get rich. And no one explains to them the backside of these riches, what pains it brings. If you can receive it, Jesus knew what he was teaching his disciples to pray when he said, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. High and lifted up is your name. And thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. And what's the next part? Give us this day our annual riches, right? Just give me enough bread, Lord, today for a whole year. I won't bug you for a year, I promise. Is that what it said? No. But if you listen to these preachers preaching these messages, they're telling you to ask God for more than a year's bread. Ask him for 10 years, 100 years bread. You won't have to bug God for the rest of your life. Wait a minute. Do you think Jesus would have taught us to pray that way if that's how we were supposed to pray? What did he say? Give us this day our, our daily bread. Why just one day? So we'll be back tomorrow. And sometimes if you can just understand, he might know more than you do. If he gave you more than today's portion, it would just spoil on you. And he has taught me daily reliance upon him is not a bad thing. It's actually a very healthy spiritual thing, but it's something that our society doesn't want to do because we have a boastful pride of life that opposes the idea that someone else would help take care of us like God. We want to be self-made, take care of ourselves. God helps them that helps themselves, right? Isn't that a scripture? By the way, no, it is not. I can tell you for certain, this book actually teaches the exact opposite. God helps those who cannot help themselves. In fact, spiritually, while we were yet sinners, the Bible says at the right time, Christ died for us. The just for the unjust. The godly for the ungodly. He came and died and paid for our sins when we couldn't do anything about it. So if that goes against your pride, sorry, swallow your pride. You don't need it. You need to be humble and say, I could use that. Because that's where your joy will begin to start. When you receive a gift that God wants to give you, the gift of forgiveness of your sins, 
the complete removal of all your sin. He went to a lot of trouble to pay to get our sins washed away. Cost him his son. It's a huge price. Don't think it was cheap. Cost him his own son to pay for our sins. But we have to just say, okay, Lord, I'll accept what you have. And if you're in a place, maybe you're in a modest financial place, you're, you're struggling. You're, by the way, John Higgins would tell you, the pastor that mentored me, you're in a great place. John always looked at things that, what place are they in for their spiritual growth? Not, not, he didn't really, you know, when you've been a pastor like 40, 50 years, you don't really look at their physical comfort anymore. At least he didn't. He'd be like, you're in a great place. And you'd be like, I'm struggling, I'm suffering. I don't even know if I'm going to have money to make the rent. I'm just, we're barely scratching by and, and we don't even know what we're going to eat next. And he'd be like, you are in a great place. Now that's not what the prosperity teachers would tell you. But a man who's walked, one of those older fathers who knows him, would know that you are spiritually in a great place. Why? Because when you're in that needing place where you need God to come through, and you go to him and say, God, I need you to come. I need you. How hard is it for him to pull off something? You know, creator of the universe, author of salvation, alpha and omega, omnipotent God, all-powerful, omniscient, all-knowing. He, he has all these qualities. How hard is it for him to give you your daily bread? It's a piece of cake. That's what we need to hear about. That we serve a God that forgave our sins and that knows what you need every day. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. You can listen to today's lesson or any of the radio lessons on iTunes titled Celebrate the Lord. And if your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information on Amazing Grace Kona, go to our church website at AmazingGraceKona.com Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona.